Hello, I am Roy Avon. Welcome to the very first Prague Report Top 5, the new podcast that we're going to start doing here on the Prague Report. We've always done just interviews with amazing artists. We've been at over 100 now uh, as far as interviews over the past few years. And so thank you to everybody that has come aboard and listened and visited to the website and uh, bought the book. Uh, Most recently... We attended the Cruise to the Edge. Uh, It was my third, I believe, um, and also went on the Progressive Nation at Sea Cruise before that. So I've had a run of these cruises, and they keep getting better each time. I thought since I just went on it and I went on it with some great people, I would bring one of those people with me on the first episode here, and we would do a top five best performances we saw on the cruise. So let me get going with an intro, uh, bring Jeff Wagner on, who um, is somebody that I work with when I get involved with Inside Out, a very good friend, a, a prog, prog metal uh, master who's written a book, Mean Deviation, and uh, a book on typo negatives, Peter Steele, Soul on Fire, which uh, are both great, amazing books that you should get. So Jeff, say hi. Hello, hello. All right. I'll- talk to you, Roy, even though I talk to you every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> That's right. So Je- Jeff and I have done a lot of traveling together at different shows uh, and uh, a few Cruise to the Edges that we've we've been to. And uh, this time we traveled with uh, some more people that we know from Inside Out and other music friends. And, and the wives came this time, which is a whole new dynamic, um, which was actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The wives turned out to love it. And um, if you want, if anybody's online, if you go to the Cruise to the Edge uh, community page, uh, there is an article called uh, Review of the Cruise by a Non-Progger, which my wife, Marnie, wrote. And uh, people seem to really love that article. That blew me away. She did a great job with that. I don't know if you had a chance to read that. I I did. And I think it's really, it's always cool to see like an outside view because we're so sort of, you know, uh, ears to the ground and kind of in it every day. Like we can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. And yeah. it's really cool to see somebody who has an experience that we kind of, in a way, take for granted. And then they're, you know, kind of seeing it through their eyes. It's always pretty cool and pretty special. So, you know, I, I think hers is, um, you know, an interesting viewpoint for sure. I think it goes more to talking about the stigma that Prague has that has always been unjustified, uh, especially nowadays, where somebody like her who just comes from knowing popular music, and she often says, I, I like Billy Joel, that's her sort of way to let people know what kind of music she likes, although it's it's more than that, um, but most people assume they're going to hate the crews and hate this music, and that never ends up being the case to anyone that goes on this thing. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And I've had my wife, Adrian has, you know, she likes Yes, she grew up on them. Um, she loves certain Adrian Blue solo albums that I didn't even know when I met her, and I considered myself kind of a Adrian Blue fan, and certainly, you know, because of his involvement in King Crimson. And then she'll be watching somebody like Enchant and go, "Why isn't this band Enchant on the radio?" Right. You know, it's like so. So they kind of get what's special about these bands from sort of a different lens, you know, a different right. angle. And I think that's always cool. So yeah. 
Yeah, it's part of, of trying to spread the word of this this whole genre that we all love. And, and uh, you know, I hope they keep doing it with Larry Moran, who organizes the cruise, and uh, they do a great job. And we hope that they keep them coming. Supposedly there's another one happening next year, and, and we'll see. But uh, So let's get started. So the format here will probably change over time, but, uh, you know, I'm going to start with uh, number five on my list of the performances on the ship that I enjoyed the most. And I please, if you're listening to this and we don't mention Marillion or we don't mention Yes, it's not because we're slighting anybody. <laughs> it's first, uh, uh, let me point out, I was working on the ship. Anybody that was on the cruise, I was emceeing a lot of the shows. So part of my limitation in staying for a whole show, which was I had a hard time staying for most full shows, uh, was having to run to another place to introduce another band or or do something. So we like pretty much every single band on this ship and we are not leaving anybody out because we hate them or they were, or they had a bad show. I want to preface that. Um, you can preface that. I'd like to say that I don't like every band on the ship. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say which ones I don't like. There you, that's probably the safer way to go. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, for, so for me, number five, and I've seen this band play now so many times, I've never, I never thought I would see this band play once much less now, almost 10 times because of all the cruises, was Haken. And the second night that they performed, which was up by the pool stage where they performed the full Mountain album, um, which is an all-timer for me. First of all, the album is, is one of the best albums to come out in the last 15, 25 years, for sure. I think it's their best album. And... Uh, I had seen them the first time that I saw them play live ever was on the Prognation at Sea Cruise, where I had just been familiar with that only that album that they had done for maybe a couple of months before I went on that ship. And so I liked it. I thought it was great. But I had a whole new appreciation for them. And I think everyone on that ship did. No one had... It was a, it was a cruise in the U.S. No one had seen them play live before. Um, sure. And they blew everybody away. So much so that I don't know if you remember this, Jeff, the next year we went on the cruise with a few other people that we know that suspected, well, no one's really going to watch this band, right? And I, and I was at him and I said, no, people saw them last year and, and they're coming back to see this band. And when we went down to the theater, there was a line all the way down the whole ship waiting to see this band, which blew us all away. Yeah, they played in the theater, and like you, I've seen them a ton, a ton of times now, and I, it's almost hard for me to like rank which shows are the best ones. But I think that theater show was probably my number one Haken show because um, you know you saw like these old school proggers, and I don't want to like stereotype them, but you know you know what I'm talking about. Sure. These guys that grew up, well, people that aren't familiar with these albums when they were brand new, and they were loving Haken, and and then of course you have the younger part of their audience loving them, and everybody in between, and like. It was a triumphant moment, and I think, and I think they've gotten better and better and better live. Um, yeah, yeah, they, so. they they are a perfect live machine at this point. And Ross uh, Jennings, the singer, has become an amazing frontman. Uh, really has a presence about him now on stage. And um, yeah, Diego's they're, they're presence, phenomenal. Most, can't say most keyboardists have a presence like Diego. He's really fun to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. so kind of Derek Sherinian level in terms of just how visual. He can be. Yeah, and, and look, the the whole band. I mean, Connor on bass and, and Ray on drums and, and uh, Charlie and Rich, the guitarists. I mean, they are all top 5% of, uh, in the world on their instruments, I would venture to say. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have Haken on my top five simply because I've seen them so many times. <laughs> right. and, and they were good. 
they were so good on the boat every time, both times. Uh, but I, I guess because I've seen them, it didn't have that sort of oh, it's new and it's novelty. I almost expect Haken to be great live every time I well, see. Well, I that. hadn't. For me, the the thing that I really wanted to take from that performance was that I had seen them play Cockroach King, you know, the big the big single and and Falling Back to Earth, but I'd never seen them play some of the other songs on the album like Atlas Stone and. Sure. Uh, because it's there, which is like this weird sort of electronic ballad thing, and those mm-hmm. songs sounded just so great live. They mm-hmm. really pulled mm-hmm. it off, and I, I was I was really happy to see that because you know when you see a band like this now, that is that is in their sort of world developing hits for whatever it's worth, the songs that people expect to hear. Oh, um, yeah. It's nice to hear these songs that they've never played, and so uh, so that's my number five, and and, and why? Uh, what's your number five? Um, very hard to pick because it, it really depends. I mean, there's so there's so many factors for me on like how you rank something, but for me, I'll just put Adrian Ballou Power Trio at number five. Um, Adrian Ballou has been a guy that you know I heard about when I was a young kid. Circus Magazine did a write up on him because he was in Frank Zappa at the time, and I think he'd done some stuff with Bowie, but all that was so new to me at the time. He, he was kind of mythical because it was not usually what Circus would cover, right? So then I got into King Crimson, and he was on the, all the 80s albums, and a, a huge factor in that band, and, and just an unbelievable guitar player in terms of what he can do with a guitar. You know, it's just not normal. <laughs> and yeah, um, he's amazing. So, yeah, so so watching the Power Trio, I'd never seen Adrian Blue uh, solo. I'd seen him with King Crimson um, a number of times, but never never seen him with this uh, uh, Power Trio. And um, they were great. I mean, the stuff that I didn't know that he played that was from the solo material was was as eccentric and left field as you, as you'd imagine. Um, the King Crimson songs that he played were just a treat because even though King Crimson is now bringing back a lot of deep tracks, as you might call them, um, you know, he did, he did stuff like Thela Jinji and um, uh, Three of a Perfect Pair and One Time from the Thrack album. So, you know, just to see all these, all these different King Crimson songs in, you know, by the power trio was, was pretty damn cool because if you're going to see King Crimson playing now, it's not going to be with Adrian, and it's going to be with eight people rather than three. Right. So. <laughs> well, that I, I had seen uh, the Power Trio many years ago. I think I want to say again, Prognation at Sea. Um, the thing that I took away from seeing them, I think it was also my first time actually seeing Adrian Blue live a solo, um, was just the bass playing of, of Julie Slick, his, his uh, bass Slick's player. Amazing. She's, uh, she's beyond she's amazing. Like you don't even realize how good she is until you see it in person. Yeah, she's she's suave and aggressive at the same time. In fact, I think her aggression is what I like the most. It's it just it, she's incredible. Uh, you know, and Adrian is having a, a fantastic time up there with her. You know, you'd almost believe that they were like father daughter. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I guess the bro- her brother was originally in the band when I saw yes. them. He's not yeah. the drummer anymore. No, the drummer that played with them on the cruise was uh, an Italian dude who's been playing with them for like five days up to that point. So, really, uh, but you, yeah, you wouldn't have known. Um, it was great, and uh, yeah, so that so that was a lot of fun. You know, the thing about the cruise, and, and you know, and we'll move on to number four here soon, is that when when you're on the cruise, you might have had like an amazing uh, riverboat experience in Belize um, before you see these bands, and that always like kind of colors your day, like. You know, Adrian and I, not Adrian, my wife, not Adrian Blue, uh, went on this boat tour in Belize and saw like crocodiles and iguanas in the trees and all this crazy stuff that, you know, was so foreign and exotic to us. 
And um, then we came back, and I think we we got on the we got on the boat, and he was playing. We we took first row. We took first row seats, and it was like so. Some of that stuff can sometimes inform how you know. It is cool. It is one of the. It is one of the great added sort of elements to the cruise is that you can't like you normally you'd be on vacation and have this great day you know in some exotic country or something and then go back to the hotel and that's the sort of the end of your day you don't get to see four concerts that night of your favorite (laughs) bands so it it really it really had a great vibe and and, uh you know i I saw their second set the adrian blue power trio and it wasn't as good he was having guitar problems some effects issues and uh it it just didn't it didn't come off as well so um yeah i treasure that that first set very cool uh, all right, so so this is good. I like this format actually. So number four for me, uh, and it's a weird one, but I was so taken by the show, and it's not a normal prog artist. Is Casey McPherson? Mm. When he performed his first show in the atrium, which for people again that aren't on the ship, there's basically four stages that are used the most. The, there's the main theater, which is the one where they do the biggest shows. Yes, Marilli and Steve Hackett and stuff like that play there. You usually. Uh, the pool stage is is the next best stage with the most seat seating. Um, they do rotate rotate that. I'm sorry with with bigger or or more medium known bands, just the same. And um, and then there's like a call a, a club place which is called the Colony Club, which is more of a loungy type stuff place with a uh, a small stage, but still you get a lot of good good bands in there. And then there's the atrium, which is sort of in the lobby. By the check-in with very open air near the elevators. I mean, the ceiling is a million feet high, and <laughs> um, uh, a very sort of casual. People sit on the floor, type of thing. So, so that's why I saw Casey, and I'm a huge fan of his voice. Uh, he's a singer for Flying Colors, which is that super group with Portnoy and Neil Morrison and Steve Morrison, Dave Larue. But mostly comes from a pop background, and he's really taken a liking to this. Prague audience. He's been on the cruise now. I think this was maybe his third year, and uh, as he always likes to tell it, he's learning how to be a progger, um, and because it allows him to take chances more with his music, which being a pop artist, he was never allowed to do, and he's found it liberating. Um, mm. You know, he doesn't have to stick to the specific format all the time, and he's a very emotional songwriter and a very emotional singer with this with this amazing voice. He brought with him a friend of his named Tony who played the cello, and it was just the two of them. And uh, he, you know, he did a couple of Flying Color songs, but a lot of it was new material that he's been working on, um, which was very sort of moody and emotional. And he and he was singing out loud and getting really into it and, and sort of yelling, and it was really sort of heavy and awesome. Um, and then at one point, so the Flying Colors has a song called Peaceful Harbor on their second album, which has a big choir at the end. It's sort of this massive, big, grand song. And uh, because he didn't have a choir, he split the audience up into three sections and taught us all on the fly a uh, melody to sing. Mm-hmm. And they were all three different melodies that when it was together made for this purpose a nice little choir. And it was... It was, and then he joined back in and started singing, and it was really just heavy. It was awesome. Uh, so I give him a lot of credit for that show. I thought seeing him on the ship the first year, which was a few years ago, to seeing him this year, he's he's just become an amazing artist in this world. He was 
he he's he was great already. He's had hits, so I mean he doesn't need you know approval from anybody. But um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he he's he's pretty amazing. I saw him two years ago, and I didn't know much about him. I'm not you know it, I got to admit I'm not the biggest Flying Colors fan, and I just uh, I didn't know that much about him. And I saw him do that singer songwriter type set on the on the cruise two years ago. I thought he was amazing. Um, didn't see him this year just for whatever reasons, but, um, start, he was in the atrium that this show, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So my number four was in the atrium and it was on the last day on Wednesday. And it was a band that you had told me about the first day. You were like, Oh, there's this band that plays flamenco, uh, you know, versions of, of heavy metal songs. Oh, yeah. And they're called heavy mellow. And I said, well, that's great. But you know, I mean, I've, I've heard, acoustic renditions of metal songs before and it just comes off as novelty and it's kind of funny haha but you know it, it, it's just not all that interesting to me so i didn't really take much notice of that but i did take note i remember what you what you said so i'm walking from like breakfast to some other thing i wanted to do and, I, and they had just started their set heavy mellow in the atrium and they were playing a, a version of nothing else matters by metallica <laughs> and you know i i cut my teeth on 80s metal um i still listen to it a ton you know the, the greats like judas priest and and scorpions and and you know Ingve and megadeth and all that so so i i sat down and they, they, they their energy and the fire and the level that they're playing their guitars in the flamenco sort of world was unbelievable i mean yeah. it was really like if anybody ever gets a chance to see this band heavy mellow you, you have got to see it. You don't even have to know 80s metal. And if you do, it's a bonus. And I think they work on a prog uh, festival because, you know, these are very left field kind of versions of these songs. You really have to think because there's no vocals. They kind of fill in the vocal melodies of whatever song they're playing with, you know, a, a guitar. So they have these two guitarists on either end playing flamenco versions of these songs and then a guy doing some percussion uh, on a little one of those kind of like sound boxes. And um, I, I was I was transfixed, dude. I was I was I sat down and just was almost weeping. They would play like they played. I <laughs> they are Mike. really they are really cool. It is oh my it God. is it is yeah. very original, and uh, and the playing. I mean, they they work on this ship also because they're amazing players, and that's part of this whole prog thing is, oh, is being uh, good yeah. at your instruments. And um, they're yeah. it sounds really massive and loud and intense and it's it's kick i didn't get to see a whole show i caught a couple of songs but uh tremendous yeah i saw most of this they played ingvay's i'm a viking they played scorpions uh sales of sharon or Charon, however you say that they played rainbows gates of babylon uh judas priest electric eye iron maiden aces high megadeth holy wars and like holy wars has that sort of palm muted you know, sort of chunky thing. And they were kind of like sweeping with their, with their right hands to make that happen. It was just, they would take these parts and flamenco eyes them and fabs. It blew my mind. So I saw, I saw that show. And then like their show later that day in the schooner bar, I was like, I'm not going to miss that. And they played some different songs. They played Danzig's mother. And, um, it was just, man, it was, it, it, it was amazing. So I really have to include them because, that's cool, they're, yeah, they're, for sure. Right, listed on the main bands. If you go on the Crazy Edge site, they're not even listed. You know where the bands are. I don't believe. Um, um, no, they were added at the end, sort of, which is probably yeah, why they weren't it, on the website. But I remember checking them out on YouTube just a couple of weeks before the ship to see what it was. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, didn't expect this. So oh, there, was, there are videos on YouTube. It was wonderful. If it was wonderful. It was. It, it made a huge. It made my ex cruise experience better. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, uh, let's see. Number three for me um, was the Neil Morris show in the theater. And, you know, admittedly, I'm a huge Neil Morris fan. Um, you, don't, you don't say. Yeah, most people know that <laughs> at this point. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, a lot of people I feel in, in Prague sort of look at him this way. It's, and and some people maybe think it's it's a bit overexposed because he's in a million bands and releases two or three albums a year at this point. But um, uh, I, I, I've always felt like he's the Paul McCartney of this genre, at least for me, and um, just an amazing songwriter on every level. But what was fascinating about this show was that it was acoustic, it was solo, it was not 30-minute epic type stuff with, with Portnoy on drums and, and that type of thing. And it really showed that he can be good at any type of music and performance that he needs to be. He's a true performer in every which way, uh, meant meant to do it, meant to do this. I mean, it's it's to me, it's obvious when you see him. He commanded the crowd. Um, you know, played a bunch of stuff from his. He has this new album called Life and Times, which is a singer songwriter album, which is not proggy at all. But it's a nice different side of it, and it just shows that he's he's just a good songwriter, plain and simple. And he doesn't yes. need a thousand notes to to do that. And he played a lot of things from that. It was very funny. Brought brought a lot of humor to it. And uh, had this looper machine, which is common now with a lot of singer-songwriters, where you play some kind of drum beat on the guitar, and then it repeats it in the background, and you get to play a riff, and you build sort of your own music landscape, and you, you play over that. And you sound like five people at once. And so he's, you know, implementing that. And, um, you know, I thought it was just captivating. I thought it was great. The The reason why it gets elevated also was that, of course, at the end, which happens all the time on this ship, because all these people are friends, all these musicians are friends, and they're all hanging out, is he brought, uh, who did he bring? Portnoy, Eric Gillette, um, Pete Travis, and, um, oh, Casey McPherson, and uh, to come out and sing uh, a few songs. They did a Flying Color song, they did Transatlantic, um, and they did a couple of things. So that added that whole sort of super group guest appearance thing to it, which is always a lot of fun. Um, so I wanna, I'm going to interject here and play uh, a song from his new album uh, called Living Lightly, and then we'll come back and continue. Lightly, living lightly. Maybe we. 
we can hang out with some friends Take some time to learn to laugh and love again Living lightly Living lightly on the symbol So that was Neil, my number three. Jeff, your number three. Uh, I, I did see the Neil show. I just want to comment that I thought that was a really, really fun show. The whole thing about the yellow and uh, all song, all the rock songs that have yellow in them. Right. Yeah, that was funny. He's just really engaging, and I just I, I had I had a great time, and I'm not. 
quite the Neil fan that you are. Uh, but I'm glad I went. I'm so glad I went, actually. It was great. Um, didn't make my top five, but it's probably number six. <laughs> um, my number three was Sons of Apollo's second show. Um, as, as you and I both saw, we saw the first ever Sons of Apollo show on the theater stage. And while that was pretty exciting, um, I mean, you can't watch any of those five guys and not be excited. That's just, that, that's an, an incredible lineup. It, it, it just goes without saying. It's yeah. almost, it's almost stupid to say it, but, um, you know, there were, there were some hiccups, there were some miscommunications, there were some problems and, and it just didn't feel as awesome and legendary as we wanted it to. But despite the incredible wind on the pool stage for their second show. Um, and you know, people have listening have to understand that like, if you've never seen a pool show, you can see you're against the elements, you know, you're on a ship cruising that, the ocean and, and like the wind was that wind that night up there. Yeah. was like and, borderline hurricane. Exactly. And they, ha- and, they have a, and they have a cover over the lighting truss and all the, all the big, you know, you know, uh, stuff that kind of just holds everything up. Like they have this, you know, sort of, covering over it in case of rain so at least the band can play and that was just like <laughs> it was just like flapping so loud it was it was and, something uh, else and you could tell the band throughout the show were a little bit annoyed with it but you know they're troopers and they went on with it um but really honestly they pulled off a really excellent show the kind of show that i was like if this was in a stadium in 1989 this would be enormous it'd be huge it felt huge um it felt like they were finally gelling live um and uh, I've seen them since on, on the mainland. I saw them like five days later in North Carolina. And um, that show is one of my favorite shows I've seen in years. Uh, they were so powerful. and, and um, they're, they're massive. It, the so they're finding, together. Yeah, they're, they're finding it. And I, you know, yeah. if you want to bitch about, oh, they're playing Van Halen songs. Well, this is a band that has one album. Give them right. a break. You know? And um, they're, they're tearing it up, even the Van Halen song. And, and um so I, you know, not only do I urge anybody to go see them at any time, but um, that that pool show was triumphant. I thought it was really, really good. Well, it really, and we, and and so you and I did not go over our lists before the uh, before this podcast, and this is a great segue because my number two is that show as well. Oh, okay. And um, I was so impressed. Like th- these are these are some of my favorite all time musicians, undoubtedly, and. Um, to see the power that the five of them, you know, combined, it, it's not, it, people think that that can just happen all the time. It doesn't, it's, it's not, you can't just put five great musicians and it's, and it always works. It, yeah. it, it actually is the opposite and they are really in sync and the jump from the first show to the second show was, was immense. It re- it really was. And Agreed. I, and I gotta tell you, having yeah, not to interrupt, interject, but like having seen the second show, then the, the the one we liked a lot, and then seeing him on the main mainland on in North Carolina five days later, it was as much of a jump, if not more. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're just you're just like seeing this band uh, evolve as a live unit with just incredible power. I and mean, you know, there's it, the thing that the thing that the more people see them, well, I hope they come away with is that Bumblefoot. Is one yeah. of the greatest guitar players ever to exist. <laughs> Absolutely, like legitimately, I mean, it's not even that's not hyperbole. He's so insanely good. You, yeah, you you almost go, how did I? How is he not considered the most famous guitar player since Eddie Van Halen? Because he has the soul of Eddie Van Halen when he plays, and 
the speed of anyone you've ever seen. And he does it all on a fretless guitar, which is nuts. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. And then, like, you have Sheehan on stage, who's a monster with the unbelievable tone that is only Billy Sheehan. And, of course, we don't have to probably even talk about Portnoy and Sherinian to your audience. They know what that's Most people will go into that show going – the lead-in for a lot of fans is Portnoy and Sherinian, who have been up in front, who have the fame from Dream Theater. And a lot of people know Bumblefoot because he was with Guns N' Roses for many, many years. And – you know, Slash is a great guitar player. He's, he's an all-time great, but you know, you think Bumblefoot is playing that kind of stuff. It's very bluesy. You wouldn't consider it to be mind-blowing to right. see what he does with this. It's nuts. It's, yeah, and I and, and that's this is nothing to say of Jeff Scott Soto, who um, I've been listening to him since the early Ingve albums, and I love this band Talisman. He was in the Swedish band, and. Um, He's, I mean, he's been proving himself as a fantastic frontman, and when he's on vocally, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, this band is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that was um, that was a lot of fun. There was one funny part for their first show, which was was really so Spinal Tap, and sometimes you get these moments. So, uh, they came out. They have this whole intro music that leads into their first track, "Out of the Sun." And the lights are dark, and there's you know strobe lights and things, and the the intro music's playing. And then the next part, when the intro stops, is Bumblefoot supposed to play the intro riff, and the song starts, and you could hear it that everything went quiet, and he's supposed to be playing, and all and something happened with his guitar monitor that it got unplugged, and he just announced, "Oops!" And it was the <laughs> funniest, most like you the cutting tension moment ever. Because I'm sure as a band, and they talked about it later, was that they were so tense going into that first show ever to play yeah. to not make a mistake. And that went out the window in the first two minutes of the show, yeah. which was brilliant. Um, yeah. But they, he laughed it off. It was fixed in one minute. And then they went off and played. And, and so I thought that was really cool. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I almost forgot about that moment because I think I wanted to forget it because I was like, I was like so amped. Like, oh, this is so exciting to be sharing this moment with this band and these guys. Uh, and you know, guys, I've gotten to know. Yeah, just with them it's, it's a out. thing that happens in in music when you're a band over time. That kind of stuff just happens. Yeah, and for it to happen like, on the very so first I, show was just awesome. It was just I almost have a, yeah, the second show was amazing. So second uh, show was amazing. I think this is a good time to play uh, the new single from Sons of Apollo. So let's do that. It just came out, and they just announced their full North America tour with a bunch of dates in big venues. You have to go check them out. So we're going to play alive before we come back. Ringing. Free me from this place 
good segue there. Uh, I think, so my number two was Sons of Apollo, which we just played. That was your number three. So we're up to your number two, Jeff. What do you got? Well, I'm an unrepentant King Crimson fan, and I love this band, Stickmen. Um, and their first show, I unfortunately had to miss their second show, but they played their first show, and it, was, it obliterated the two shows they played last year. Um, the best of the three, I'm sorry, four Stickmen shows that I've ever seen. And uh, they also had David Cross on violin, who uh, King Crimson fans will know that he played on the uh, Lark's Tongues and Aspic album and the um, the other two albums from that John Wetton era. Um, and that was a real that was a real treat because Stickman without David Cross is fantastic, and with him, he's like on violin playing the most aggressive, mind melting sort of Fripp esque stuff on his violin. Um, I've never seen anything like it. And it was, it was really incredible. And then you've got, uh, you know, Tony Levin on, on stick, uh, Pat Mastelato, of course, on drums, one of my favorite drummers of all time. And, um, uh, Marcus Reuter on his, on his guitar, on his tap guitar thing, his war guitar. I'm not sure what he calls it. Yeah. I don't even know how anyone plays that instrument. It's crazy. Yeah. But he's, he's incredible. He's, he's unto himself. And, um, very crimson worthy. So, you know, it was great. They just did a, they did a great selection of stuff off their prog noir album. Um, you know, some crimson songs that, um, uh, were, were given the treatment with David Cross, you know, from Lark's tongues and elsewhere. And it was just, yeah, it was a real treat. And they just, they play the, uh, I always forget the name of the, the club that they play in, but it's the, um, the kind of more loungy club by the pool tables. I forget. I always forget what that, the, uh, the colony club. Yes, the Colony Club, and yeah. they just they just tore it down. It was it was really amazing, and um, I don't really, for me, words are kind of beyond that band. So I just I'll leave it at that. They're an acquired taste. I mean, for sure, for no <laughs> doubt, they're sure. amazing musicians. And you watch each one of them separately, and you and you're in awe of their talent and their skill. How they turn all of that into a song is beyond uh, understanding. Well, yeah, and I I I do like some measure of like complete mind melt, you know, when it comes to like, I, I don't mind a little bit of noise and dissonance and, and complete avant-gardism. Um, yeah, for them, it has total purpose and, yeah, yeah, and it's, exactly. it's written like, like an orchestra. It's amazing to, for them to know how to do that. Yeah. It's, and I, I never have as much fun watching a drummer as I do Pat Mastelato. He's just, he's, ah, he's so crafty and interesting. Every little hit. like And that he was in Mr. Mr. Blows My Mind. Uh, he actually was, yes. To bring that up. <laughs> uh, he actually, he also played, uh, he's credited on a Sugar Cubes album from the early 90s and an XTC album from the early yeah, 90s. See, well, that's so diversity he, right there. Yeah, he made his rounds as a studio guy on these really kind of arty pop bands and then, um, then got into Crimson and the rest that's is history. That's very cool. Um, that's awesome. All right, so I'm going to get to my number one, but I want to recap my real quick. It was Haken, The Mountain Show, uh, Casey McPherson, Neil Morris, uh, Sons of Apollo's second show, and, and my first show, which is funny because it was the very first show I saw on the ship, was Steve Hackett's show in the theater. And I'm a longtime Genesis fan. I, you know, I, sometimes I'm not sure if they're my favorite band, but when I listen to them, I decide they're my favorite band. I had, they have like this thing with me. <laughs> I love it. I love because, it. hold on, the phone is ringing. Um, because I just, every time I hear stuff like Supper's Radio or Cinema Show or or whatever, I, I, I'm like, no, there's never anything better than this. That That's yeah. what always is my thought. And when you see Steve Hackett play live, he's just, he's just the greatest musician ever. 
just the greatest. And the band he put together is phenomenal. I've seen them now a few times, and sometimes they're better than others. But um, I don't know if it was just the moment of being on the cruise or the set list, which was phenomenal, um, or what it was. But I left there. I left that show, and I remember, and you might have remembered me saying it. I said, "That's it. That's the best show we're going to see this week." <laughs> and we had five days, and I mean, he closed it with uh, it was fourth of fifth. Uh, Supper's Ready, Musical Box, and Dance on a Volcano. You can't, you can't do better than that on that boat. You can't. And not only that, the extended solo on Supper's Ready where he just went off for five extra minutes was <laughs> beyond words. Um, the nicest guy ever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're lucky enough to, you and I both know him, which is uh, another amazing thing um, to, to, to be able to say. But... I was blown away by that show. I still can't believe how awesome it was, and I've seen him a number of times. Well, not just because I know him and not just because I'm friends with you and not just because I want to agree with you finally, because you, you and I sometimes don't totally agree on Prague, and that's okay. Um, we, we have really wonderful conversations, but I am absolutely in agreement with you. He's my number one for the boat, the that's first awesome. show. <laughs> that was my number one, and like – um, you were right when we came out of there. I, I didn't think you would be right on that one. I thought, well, we got a lot more to go yet, buddy. But <laughs> you were right. I mean, that was that was a. I've seen him a ton, like you have, and it was one of my favorite Hackett shows. It was uh, what a send off to to hit the ocean. And um, I, I can't add to anything more that you said. I, you know, you you said it all. I, I have the same thoughts about Genesis. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, Prague, metal or otherwise, I mean, they're ju they're just the best. Um, and when he launches into these, you know, musical box or Supper's Ready, like it it, it kind of shows what what genius that stuff was. Um, and his his band can pull it off very capably. So I, that's that's also my number one. The, yeah, the I mean, I I got to give a shout out to uh, to the band, especially and uh, you know Jonas Reingold who took over for bass. Uh, that was his first show with him, right? Yeah. I think playing bass. Uh, I believe you're right. Yeah. And, jo and Jonas is, you know, many people know him from all. I mean, he's in every band. <laughs> he's played with everybody. <laughs> and he's amazing and uh, and sounded awesome on that. And Ed Sylvan just keeps sounding great to me. I know here and there there are people that get upset that he doesn't sound exactly like Peter Gabriel or whatever. But that that stuff is near impossible to, to pull off. And he's as good as I've ever seen do it outside of the originals. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, he has off nights, and um, I've heard, I've read some people that say that the stuff that's on the Weathering Nights re live release is not his strongest, and I might even tend to agree. But uh, when he's on, he's on, and he was brilliant that night. He has a he has a, he has a presence, um, and he sounds enough like Gabriel. I mean, uh, I you know you can see why Steve picked him to you know do that material, but yeah, there's there's something magical about Hackett and his playing and his presence and and his uh, his just approach to the instrument. It's um, it's it, again I'm, I'm beyond words I don't have it yeah he's, uh, yeah he's, he's cool he's not so. appreciated enough and he's appreciated plenty one of the things that was funny was when we were we happened to have you know walk with him in, down the hallway he was trying to get back to his room and you saw how he he gets pulled by every he couldn't walk three feet without it, getting pulled for somebody to sign or take a picture it, it, He's and, the Beatles on the cruise. He's and the he, yeah, and he 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 doesn't say no to anybody. <laughs> no, nope. he's he's the sweetest guy, and we were lucky enough to have that dinner with him on this uh, on this go round. And uh, I, I 
was so happy to have a long conversation with him, unlike any I've had before with him, just about his upbringing and going to school in England and, and uh, uh, I mean, just, just a, a huge number of things. He told me about how he was always pulling for like Superman and Lois Lane to get together when he was a kid. <laughs> I mean, just all this crazy shit that I'm like, I can't believe I'm learning all this wonderful, fun stuff from Steve Hackett. And he, and he, you know, he's one of these guys too that, yeah, he might be Steve Hackett from Genesis, but he's also interested in what, what's going on with you. And, um, so he's just a wonderful human being, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, total good guy for sure. And uh, yeah, well, that's a really uh, cool that we both agreed on that. I like that. That's a good way and totally not planned. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. That's, this is true. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to close the show with, uh, with uh, a song from uh, his previous album, Night Siren, which I think is good. And uh, great. Hope everybody enjoyed the first episode of Prog Report Top 5. We'll do some more as they come out. Jeff, thanks for coming along. Uh, we'll have you again on uh, again to talk about something. It's been fun. Can't wait. And cool. uh, congratulations on the prog report getting better and better every every week. Thank you, sir. Talk to you uh, tomorrow. Okay, man. All right. Bye. See you. Behind the smoke is black. There is no turning back. Our souls are burning on the stone. Time to weep. We've come this way so far from home. And though the wounds are deep. The past is out of reach We meet our future all too soon A knife into our hearts A world that's torn apart A blood-red hunter's 